this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome to the War Room. It's not Stephen K. Bannon. It's Natalie Winters here hosting the Battleground edition of War Room for May 1st, Year of Our Lord 2023. We got a very packed show. We'll be starting with Dr. Naomi Wolf, talking to Frank Gaffney. After the break, we'll be hitting Ken Paxton to talk about his new investigation into Big Pharma's role in gain-of-function research and the lies about COVID-19 vaccines. And, of course, Jeffrey Tucker dunking on, you guessed it, Anthony Fauci. Who else would we be hitting on War Room today? Uh, all the lies that the New York Times helped spread about him. But to start, we have Dr. Naomi Wolf down the line, I believe. Uh, do we have you? Yes, okay, we have you. Sorry. So I'm just curious. Uh, the Daily Clout, you guys do such fantastic work, uh, really exposing vaccines for, for what they are. We'll let you describe what exactly they are. Uh, but you put out a new report today. I believe it's report number 69 coming out of dailyclout.io, talking specifically about the war on women and fertility and children. Can you sort of unpack what you've uncovered? Yeah, Natalie, uh, about a week and a half ago, I updated you about horrors uh, that were being multiply confirmed around the country regarding the placentas of vaccinated women, mRNA vaccinated women. And now we get to an even more appalling a bombshell. And this is indeed the War Room Daily Cloud Pfizer Documents Analysis Report series. Um, and this is report number 69 by our COO and fearless intrepid project director, Amy Kelly. And this is a new tranche of documents that Pfizer released in April. Um, and they're probably the most stunning of all. They're, they're some of the most heavily redacted, and we, we can see why. And the bottom line is Pfizer and FDA knew in early 2021 that Pfizer mRNA COVID vaccine caused dire fetal and infant risks, including death. They began an aggressive campaign to vaccinate pregnant women anyway. And so what I'm going to tell you is that these data were compiled in 2021 and three days after. Looks like we might be having some technical difficulties. Well, in, in the meantime, I also wanted to hit with Dr. Wolf if we can get her back up. There's been some interesting breaking news from Steve Kirsch on Substack. Uh, Dr. Wolf was talking about these revelations from the FDA in September of 2021. Uh, but the FDA also knew through documents obtained via Freedom of uh, the Information Act requests that COVID vaccines actually made you two times more likely to be infected with COVID-19. Of course, they buried this and mandated vaccines for everyone and their mother. But I think it speaks to the not necessarily incompetency, but maybe malfeasance, which is something that we're going to get into after the break with uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton. But in the meantime, uh, if we can bring up Frank Gaffney, since I guess... 
I always joke, I don't know if it's the Chinese Communist Party or Big Pharma toying around with Dr. Wolf's connection, but another another person who the Chinese Communist Party would probably be interested in cutting the connection off of is Frank Gaffney, a dear friend of the show and a dear friend of mine, someone who has done a lot of work into Chinese Communist Party infiltration in the United States. You guys might have seen, we have some breaking news that there's been another sort of unidentified balloon-type object flying over the coast of Hawaii and got me thinking, is this another CCP spy balloon incident? Then that also got me thinking, does the Chinese Communist Party really even need to spy on the United States anymore from hundreds if not thousands of feet above when they have so many willing assets and agents here on the ground? Frankly, not too far from me, just over on the Capitol and all around Washington, D.C., doing their bidding, someone who's done a lot of work and investigations into the concept of not just elite capture, but elite merger is Frank Gaffney. So, Frank, obviously you have the indictment out, which really gets into how the Chinese Communist Party has infiltrated the United States. But when people look around, they see the policies coming out of the Biden White House. I don't think it's a far cry to say that China is, is benefiting pretty heavily, pretty directly. Obviously, Hunter Biden has extensive ties. Can you just sort of give us a rundown on CCP infiltration here in D.C., how far it goes and why we're seeing some of the ridiculous policies come out of the Biden regime? Well, truthfully, Natalie, I've learned most of what I know about the subject from you, so I'm going <laughs> to do a poor facsimile of, of your rendering of it. Yeah. Though though I have to say, uh, we have drilled down on this extensively in the 75 or so webinars of the Committee on the Present Danger China that we've tried to distill into this book, The Indictment, which will be out on the 9th of May, I'm very pleased to report, from War Room books. Um, but to your question, uh, I'm not sure that we've got really a clue about how much of this iceberg is under the waterline. What we see above is is pretty awful. Um, my colleague and um, fellow member of the Committee on the Present Danger China, Trevor Loudon, as you know, I think has uh, produced a two-volume set entitled Security Risk Senators in which he explores, as I recall, 33 members of the United States Senate who have been compromised, captured, uh, you know, otherwise suborned, uh, whether by the Chinese Communist Party or by the Russians or by the Islamists or by somebody else. Uh, you know, it depends on the individual, of course. Trevor has a six-volume set he calls House Un-Americans, and I think there's something on the order of 100 plus members of the House that he drills down on their bios, drills down on their past, uh, you know, life experiences and collaborations and, and alliances and so on, and comes to the conclusion that they too fall into this category. And then, of course, Washington is um, replete with a whole host of other people, lobbyists, uh, members of the executive branch, uh, not least, and others who are similarly uh, in this mode of being captured, as the Chinese put it. Uh, and uh, Natalie, again, I, I want to say thank you to you for the bird dogging you've been doing on all of this. It's absolutely vital that we understand as best we can the full magnitude of it, but more to the point, and this is really the, the essential takeaway from the indictment, is we have to make sure especially if, God forbid, we're going to go into a shooting war 
with the Chinese Communist Party, that none of these folks in the elites, whether it's in government, whether it's in the financial sector, whether it's in business more generally, whether it's in academia, whether it's in the media, whether it's in um, the pop culture, none of them are in positions of leadership because you simply cannot afford to have people batting for the other team in charge of yours, especially under those kinds of circumstances. So whether they have to resign, whether they are impeached, or whether they're prosecuted, they've got to go. As the CCP likes to say, the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. And thank you for your kind comments about a lot of my investigative work. But something, an interesting pattern that I've seen that I think you guys have done really great work in terms of discerning where the CCP is going, right? What is their meta goal? What is the end game? What is kind of their, their master plan? And a lot of my early reporting focused on how the Chinese Communist Party was shaping narratives about China and China's rise here in the United States, right? China is an ally there, an economic miracle of, of just capitalism and, well, sort of. Um, but what is interesting that I've seen now is it sort of seems to be a shift. In other words, it doesn't seem that the CCP is just content manufacturing narratives about themselves here in D.C. They want to push a very different agenda, one that is very antithetical to the way that we live our lives here in the West, um, implement it here in the United States. And I would argue in tandem and really in cahoots with the World Economic Forum, with the United Nations, the World Health Organization. I think the best example of that is, of course, the pandemic treaty. Of course, it's not a surprise that you were just talking about senators, that the Senate is authorizing the NDAA, which sort of includes in a roundabout way the authorization for this treaty. Or, of course, you have CCP compromised Joe Biden, who would probably happily sign off uh, on this treaty. So I'm just curious, can you sort of give us the latest on that first, but also more broadly, this sort of WHO, UN, WEF style global governance, even though I reject that term, but how the CCP is, is pushing and angling for that here in the United States? Yeah. Well, again, you've explained so clearly and so well, as has Naomi Wolf, um, our past experience with all of this. Um, the, the, the global governance has already been given a dress rehearsal, really, in what I think of as sort of pandemic 1.0. Uh, the COVID-19, the Wuhan virus, the China flu, whatever you want to call it, this disease and what flowed from it, thanks, as you've pointed out, to the World Health Organization's advice about what it was, where it came from, and what we needed to do about it, brought about something very like, in microcosm, yes, but very like the Chinese model, as they called it, or the Chinese social credit system as they practice it back home and as they're exporting it elsewhere around the world today. And, and just to sort of bring you up to the moment on this global governance thing, uh, Natalie, we created something we call the Sovereignty Coalition. Natalie Wolf is a very important member of it. Reggie Littlejohn has been on the program a lot talking about it as well, many others. This is focused on something that may happen as soon as the end of this month when the World Health Assembly meets in Geneva, Switzerland, and decides to take the World Health Organization from an advisory role 
into one that is compulsory, one that will do actually with the authority of the international community and international law, what they got away with doing more or less when they were just an advisory body back in 2019, 2020, namely telling us what to do about a problem that they were misdirecting us about um, because they do the bidding of the Chinese Communist Party. So uh, we need to get out of the World Health Organization right away before they're able to tell us what to do, tell us what's a public health emergency of international concern, tell us what we have to uh, do in response to it. Uh, and that's terrifying because it's not just our national sovereignty, of course, that's imperiled by all of that. As you said, Natalie, it's it's our whole way of life. It's our personal freedoms as well. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Uh, we asked the question, wonderful meme, who's your doctor? If the World Health Organization has this kind of mandatory role, they're going to be in your consultation room with your personal physician. You're not going to get the best medical advice. You may get the worst medical advice, in fact, if the past practice is any guide. So all of this is to say, as usual, the war room is on the case. Steve has been terrific about this, as have, you, as have your guests. We've got to get out of this World Health Organization, and we need everyone to go to SovereigntyCoalition.org. Look at the American Sovereignty Declaration there. I think you're going to like it. Please sign it and then take the Align Act option and tell your elected representatives in the Senate, hopefully they're not security risk senators, but they might be, and in the House, hopefully they're not House on Americans, but they might be, but tell them nonetheless, you want the United States out of the World Health Organization now. Well, you've gotten so good at doing War Room, I was going to ask you where can people sign sign the uh, or join on to the Sovereignty Coalition and find your book. But I think you already did all that for me. Uh, make right sure you there. go get the indictment Frank, and go to SovereigntyCoalition.org. Frank, thank you so much for joining us. Pre-order it. God bless yes, you. Yes, also have a good one. Wherever books and I are think, sold. I think we should have Dr. Wolf back up. Let's see. All right. Awesome. We got you. So before, like I said, it was either the Chinese Communist Party or Big Pharma, before they intervened and shot down your signal, you were telling us about how the war on women by Big Pharma rages on. If you want to sort of pick up where you left off and yeah. any other points, any connective tissues you wanted to make. Yeah, thank you. You know, I'm kind of, I don't know, even know if you're joking or exaggerating because I also, with this particular <laughs> report, got booted off of Twitter again, it would appear it got deep, it got kicked off of YouTube. Um, I barely know how many platforms we can get it onto before it's censored again. It's really a, it's such a terrifying document. So I was picking up with Report 69 and this newly released tranche of Pfizer documents. So there's one which is a shocking eight page document titled Pregnancy and Lactation Cumulative Review and it spans the time of the drug product development all the way to the 28th of February, 2021. And a Pfizer employee, Robert T. Morocco, approved the review. And I stress that because a real named person really looked at these dead babies, these uh, spontaneous abortions, these injured babies, these traumatized uh, tiny children, and passed it on to the FDA. The FDA signed off on it, passed it on to the CDC, 
three days later, Rochelle Walensky with this document in hand, tabulating intentional lethal harm to babies and fetuses, told the women of America to get vaccinated if they were pregnant. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So it resulted in horrible damage to fetuses and babies. Pfizer tabulated adverse events in over 54% of cases of, quote, maternal exposure, end quote, to the vaccine. They defined, quote, maternal exposure as PT's patient maternal exposure timing unspecified during pregnancy, before pregnancy. So I stress this because Pfizer seems to know that there's something that could um, affect women even before they get pregnant through the vaccine. And in other places in Pfizer documents, Pfizer defines exposure to the vaccine as women having intercourse with vaccinated men, um, especially at the moment of conception. So Pfizer may have been looking to dam at damage to women and babies that could result from intercourse, inhalation, and skin contact prior to pregnancy as in their earlier protocol. Pfizer's tally of damages to fetuses and babies includes, quote, 53 reports or 21% of spontaneous abortion, 51 abortion, one abortion missed following this vaccination, and a missed abortion is an empty gestational sac. Uh, they count fetal tachycardia, irregular heartbeats faster than 180 beats per minute that require early delivery and hospitalization. Six premature labor and delivery cases resulting in two newborn deaths cause of death for one baby, quote, was cited as extreme prematurity and severe respiratory distress and pneumothorax. The other death, Pfizer said, was due to, quote, premature baby less than 26 weeks and severe respiratory distress and pneumothorax. And I just want to note here that pneumothorax is when a, an air sac develops between a tiny baby's lungs and their tiny chest wall. And I told you a little while ago that Ellen Jasmer, this uh, midwife in Northern California, is reporting that now from vaccinated moms, babies are being born, they seem fine, they go home, and then they're rushed to the hospital with this respiratory distress. It is not just fetuses and newborn babies that Pfizer calmly noted were being damaged and killed in the company's internal records. Entirely separately, Pfizer also recorded multiple harms to babies through the milk of vaccinated moms. And in this cumulative review, 19% of the babies in Pfizer's records exposed to the COVID mRNA via their mother's breast milk. So this was our hypothesis. We broke this story months ago, and then the NIH indeed found that there was vaccine materials in breast milk. And now Pfizer themselves knew that tiny babies were getting horrible ingredients of this poison in their mother's breast milk, mRNA and uh, and the polyethylene, polyethylene glycol coated lipid nanoparticles. These poor babies, there's this chart that will chill your soul, Natalie, right there from the Pfizer documents. And it's, it's, it's an echo of this terrifying chart I talked about that broke down women's menstrual injuries, basically, in the Pfizer documents. Here, it's tiny babies, pyrexia, fever, nine, 
infant irritability, five, diarrhea, three, suppressed lactation, three, breast milk discoloration in the women, two, infantile vomiting, lethargy, pain, peripheral coldness, urticaria, vomiting again, abdominal discomfort, agitation, allergy to vaccine, crying, dysphonia, irritation, um, poor feeding, paresis, roseola, skin exfoliation, vision blurred. I'm, I'm skipping over, but it's a whole chart of injuries to tiny babies from, from their mother's milk that Pfizer calmly tabulated. Some of the babies suffering was serious. There were 10, 10 quote, serious adverse events, SAEs, from, quote, exposure via lactation. The review outlined six of these. A 15-month-old infant uh, experienced skin exfoliation and infant irritability. The outcome was unknown. They, we don't know if that baby survived. A nine-month-old infant with a med medical history of meningococcal vaccine, no history of allergies, asthma, eczema, or anaphylaxis, experienced rash and urticaria a day after exposure via lactation. A day after the mother received vaccination, a baby developed a rash after breastfeeding. At the time of the report, the event was, quote, not recovered. They keep looking away, looking away. And each time they say a causality assessment was not provided. They they just turned a blind eye when the babies were suffering. An eight-month-old infant experienced wow. angioedema, an area of swelling of the lower layer of skin and tissue just under the mucous membranes. One day after his mother received vaccination, there were two cases of illness, quote, after exposure to breast milk. I'll just skip ahead. All of these tiny babies... In the second case, a three-month-old infant developed an unspecified illness and required hospitalization for six days post-exposure via breast milk. The outcome was unknown. We don't know if that baby survived. Um, so in, fight, in spite of Pfizer and the FDA knowing by April 20th, get this timing, 2021, the extent of damage to fetuses and babies, including the fact that fetuses and newborns had died on April 23rd, 2021, three days after this report went in, inexplicably, Dr. Rochelle Walensky held a White House press briefing where she recommended that pregnant women get vaccinated. And we link that White House briefing there. And we include the entire eight-page document. It's absolutely chilling. But the bottom line is this is intentionality. I don't think there's any way to avoid what we're looking at in this case. They... They suspected babies would get sick from nursing with vaccinated moms. They saw that they did, and they kept going. You haven't heard one press conference from FDA or CDC telling vaccinated women not to nurse their babies. They knew the babies would get sick and that some were being hospitalized. They kept going, and they knew that vaccinated women with exposure, including before pregnancy, to the vaccine, which Pfizer has defined as semen, from vaccinated men, inhalation and skin contact um, would would damage babies, and they saw that that babies died, that there were spontaneous abortions, miscarriages, empty amniotic sacs, you know, newborn babies dying, newborn babies with with uh, lung disease, which exactly is what we're seeing now, a year and a half, two years later. And they they knew it would happen. They knew it happened to almost 20% of the babies in their own study, and they they rolled it out anyway. So this is this is premeditation, um, not just sterilization, but I mean, I don't even know what to call it, child sacrifice. 
Wow. Well, the timing of that press conference held by the CDC, it's insane, if not monstrous. And what's so crazy, you know, you're going through listing all these just horrible conditions that these vaccines have directly caused in these innocent young babies and newborns. But hey, I'm sure Pfizer has a really great ESG score, and I'm sure they have really diverse hiring practices. And by the left's metrics of social justice, I'm sure Pfizer is an absolutely fantastic and wonderful company. Meanwhile, they're inflicting, like I said, this horrific damage on all of these just young, innocent babies. It's it's horrific and it's hard to listen to. We got a few minutes, unfortunately, before I have to let you go. But you sort of started hinting at towards the end what I wanted to ask you. You know, we used to always say we can't let the cure be worse than the disease. And I think the the science has been settled that we did let the cure be a lot worse than the disease. But I think the other take on that sentence is that maybe, and it sort of seems like the evidence that you've presented is that this alleged cure, maybe it was the disease. In other words, it seems like the, the side effects of these vaccines really were almost worse than the alleged side, effect, side effects of, of COVID-19. So just kind of drill down on what you're talking about. Like I said, we got about two minutes before I got to let you go. But the intentionality behind it, I mean, child sacrifice is a a loaded term, but it sort of dovetails with, I think, the evidence you've put forth. Yeah, I, I don't I think we have to start like going to a place in language where we never thought we would go because child sacrifice is a theme. It's not just this set of documents. I'm about to speak after this interview with Senator Kim Thatcher in Oregon. She's fighting a bill that would allow abortions, basically, I mean, allow children to be exposed, you know, the same thing as, I mean, die after birth. The same thing is happening in in Europe. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a war against women. As I said, there's also clearly a, a war sacrifice against women and babies. I don't understand it. It's something thoroughly demonic going on here, but I, I, I don't think how can I put it? Looking at this document, there is no way to keep telling ourselves it's just a greedy company that um, made some mistakes, right? It's when what you were saying earlier. I'll, I'll say it in a slightly different way. The expression "it's not a it's not a bug; it's a feature." It's it's clear that these injections were intended. They were looking at. They knew they would hurt babies. They knew they would hurt poison breast milk. They they knew and they examined that they tested for it and then they saw it happened and they rolled it out. So, wow. you know, in the world, Dr. Of Wolf, I wish I could, I wish I could keep you longer, but unfortunately timing is not on our side, but we'll have you back. Thank Where you can people find you and your work? Yes. Thank you. So please <laughs> keep supporting us, get the uh, Pfizer, the war room daily Cloud Pfizer document book. Uh, on on Amazon, which has uh, 46 of these reports. The other reports are up on dailyclout.io. And we, you know, your donations and memberships are our lifeblood. So please keep supporting us so we can keep bringing this work to you. Um, So sorry about this bulletin, but I think it's better to face it. And thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we'll be right back. We got Ken Paxton, the Attorney General from Texas, Joining us to talk just about this, Big Pharma's culpability and a lot of COVID-19 related deaths and side effects and injuries. And of course, Jeffrey Tucker talking all things Anthony Fauci, the lies. There's a lot of them. He's pulled out 10 of the greatest hits from Fauci's New York Times puff piece. I think that's probably an understatement. Puff is doing a heavy lift there. We'll be right back. I don't know about you, 
It takes a lot to shock me these days. But to see our judicial system resemble a third world banana republic, to see trusted American companies embrace insane and destructive woke ideologies is frankly depressing. We must fight back. And that starts with changing the way we spend our money. For years, big mobile companies have been dumping millions into leftist causes, and we had to take it because there was not another option. Well, there is one now. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks so you get the best possible service in your area without the woke propaganda push by leftists working hard to destroy this great country. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you support free speech and religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military and veterans and first responders, the heroes. Now, Patriot Mobile's 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon. Or call them at 878-PATRIOT. That's 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Bannon. Ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there. This is PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon or call 878-PATRIOT. Take action today. Stop giving your money to people that hate you and hate what you stand for. Back the only Christian conservative wireless provider, Patriot Mobile. Take action today. Are you tired of progressive corporations and exhausted trying to keep up with all the virtue signaling when you're simply trying to buy products? Progressive corporate America continues to push messaging that further alienates conservative Americans, all while eroding the future of the American dream. It's prominent all over the country. Companies like Starbucks strong-arming their customers to support abortion. Financial services like PayPal canceling customers for their political views. Makeup companies like Maybelline making a mockery of women by supporting transgender models. And beer companies like Bud Light forcing gender ideology on you when all you want is to enjoy a cold beer. Thankfully, we don't have to fund these companies any longer with our hard-earned dollars. With Public Square, we now have a solution. It's simple. Join the movement of millions of patriotic Americans who love truth, our country, and our Constitution at publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Public Square is an app and website where you can get connected to tens of thousands of businesses from all different industries that share your value for life, family, and freedom. Whether you're looking to buy coffee, find a new athletic clothing that knows what a woman is, and shop for clean skincare, or simply find a new restaurant in your community that won't lecture you about your political views, publicsq.com is your resource. Public Square also offers discounts to many high-quality businesses on the platform so that you can actually receive incentive for spending money with companies that don't hate you. Public Square is free to join as consumer or a business owner, and you can get started today at publicsq.com. Remember, either as a consumer or a business owner, download the app now. That's publicsq.com, publicsq.com. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly 250 grand. And COVID 
taxrelief.org. Just got a large distribution business, almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. It's Natalie Winters still here running the show. Steve will be back tomorrow. But in the meantime, we have a lot of breaking news to get to. I'm excited, very excited to be joined by none other than the attorney general of the great state of Texas, Ken Paxton, who just released a pretty bombshell or at least what could be very bombshell investigation into some of America's leading, not for the good reasons, bad reasons only, pharmaceutical companies. Uh, Ken, if you're if you're joining us down the line, I think we should have you. Uh, this is some breaking news. I'd love if you could tell the War Room audience what exactly you're hoping to get to the bottom of um, and the legal procedures whereby or with, with what you're trying to use to get there. Well, Natalie, thanks for having me on. Yes, yeah, so we filed uh, what are called CIDs that filed. We sent civil investigative demands. There's like interrogatories, questions for these three corporations, Pfizer, Madura, and Johnson & Johnson to answer questions about what they were doing with their vaccine whether they misled uh, consumers about the efficacy of it, whether they misled consumers about their, their trials, whether they misled consumers about how the, how, whether this would prevent transmission. Those are all things that they know the answers to, and they need to provide that information to us. So I'm just curious, because this obviously comes after that pretty epic New York Times story, the, the puff piece on Anthony Fauci, right? where he says, and sort of buried in that story, without gain-of-function research, you wouldn't have vaccines, which I don't necessarily know if that's a valid claim, but I think it certainly links this gain-of-function research that not only do we know the Wuhan Institute of Virology was engaged in, but that a lot of these pharmaceutical companies, and there's a whole lobbying brigade up here on the Hill to make sure we don't ban gain-of-function research, and I think if you really get into the weeds, all roads lead back to vaccine development. But what I understand, at least from reading the press release of this investigation, is that it seems like this link between the people who are engaging in gain-of-function research and pandemic prevention and all these lofty euphemistic terms, which don't really ever seem to materialize despite the trillions of dollars, the GDP of small African nations that we pour into pandemic prevention, yet these are the same people who are also supposed to be creating and then also subsequently profiting from the cures to the viruses that they're supposed to be preventing. It sort of seems like a major, if not massive, conflict of interest. 
Um, so I'm just curious how exactly your investigation really drills down into gain of function research. So we're going to be asking all kinds of questions with the goal of finding the truth about this vaccine, how they used it, how what their trials look like. I mean, we're going to get into the details of understanding what they what trials they conducted and how they used those trials and what information they then put out about those trials and whether they misled, because that's really our function. Did we did they did they mislead consumers? Did they cause damage because they misled consumers? And if they didn't, they didn't. But if they did, we need to know that they need to be held accountable. And just curious, what do you think the time frame is on this investigation? What are sort of the next steps? So typically, we give 30 days to, to respond to the civil investigative demand. So they have a reasonable period of time. Uh, if they have, if they struggle with certain issues that they need a little more time, a lot of times we'll give a little more time. But the reality is, you know, we're not going to let it go on forever. They have an obligation to provide that information. Our job in Texas is to prevent fraud and deceptive trade practices. And so we need the only way we can know what they're doing is if they provide this information. This is all all required by state law. This is all passed by the Texas legislature and other states have similar laws to this. They could be doing the same thing. But I guess we will be the first to find out, you know, some of the truth about what actually happened with these vaccines. Just one last question, just looking looking ahead, looking down the road, because I think if, if this is obviously a, an investigation done on very solid grounds, I think a lot of people are concerned about the ramifications because I think side effects is too nice a term of a lot of these COVID-19 vaccines or therapeutics. But do you think that an investigation like this could potentially say, just speaking hypothetically, but lay the groundwork for people who have maybe been or, or suffered consequences as a result of taking this vaccine or lost loved ones or you know, family members from taking these vaccines, especially when the federal government mandated these vaccines, do you think that this could potentially pave the way forward for some sort of, I would say, I'd call it justice for people who have been wronged potentially by these COVID-19? I know the war audience doesn't like when I use the word vaccine, but for, for sake of, of brevity, we'll call them vaccines. Well, one of the reasons we're doing this is the protection that these these pharmaceutical companies have gotten from Congress where they can put out these vaccines and they have no liability. So Congress would have to address that or people would have to find a creative way to address that harm. The reason we wanted to do this is because individuals have no incentive to go file a lawsuit because there's no there's no actual damages because they're protected. We can get damages if we can show that they deceived consumers and how they presented their vaccine or they didn't tell them the whole truth. We don't know that yet, but we're going to find out one way or the other whether they did deceive consumers. And if they did, then they're at least accountable to the state. And then it would be up to Congress to address the special protection that these vaccine manufacturers have under federal law. Wow, great work. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I really appreciate it. On, on short notice, too, if people want to stay up to date with this investigation and Follow your office and what you're doing. Where can people find you? You can either go to our website, the Texas Attorney General website, or KenFaxon.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. I think we should have Jeffrey, thank you, Jeffrey Tucker joining us to talk about something not falling too far from that tree. It has to do with Anthony Fauci and the many lies he's told 
not just about COVID, not about gain-of-function research, not about the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and I'm talking straight-up lies, but also lies of omission. He has all his bases covered and all the lies he likes to tell the American people and at taxpayer expense. But Jeffrey Tucker wrote a wonderful article sort of debriefing and unpacking what I would say is probably the most concentrated article, or at least in terms of lies, that's been published in the New York Times, which is a very, very high bar. Maybe it's a low bar, uh, but at least in recent history, it has to do with Anthony Fauci and his track record when it comes to the pandemic. Jeffrey, thank you for joining us. If you want to sort of walk through some of the highlights, some of the most egregious quotes from St. Fauci, uh, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And also thanks for having uh, uh, the attorney general uh, from Texas on. You know, I'm, I'm very excited about this lawsuit because... Um, as he pointed out, federal law indemnifies vaccine makers against all, all harms. And I've heard it said from very credible people that if that law were ever repealed, uh, the stock valuation of all the vaccine companies would go to zero, which is quite a commentary, right? Let's see. Let's try it out and see what happens, right? So they, anyway, the vaccine makers cannot be sued for the harms they cause, even if their product is mandated. Um, but the uh, Attorney General Paxton has figured out a way around this just to ask the basic question, did you deceive anybody in your advertising? Did you make false claims about your product? In which case, that's illegal in the state of Texas. So that's a serious problem. So I'm, I have to congratulate him for this. But yes, this is part of a, a larger unraveling of the whole narrative that we've seen over the last... I would say two weeks or something like this, where all the people who gave us the lockdowns, the mask mandates, the vaccine mandates, and the entire pandemic response are desperately trying to um, justify their actions uh, against all the evidence that everything they did was a, a catastrophe for this country and, and for the world, for public health, for the economy, for people's lives. I, I was thinking about this today. I was writing an article about it. I don't think there's anybody in your audience or really anybody practically on the planet Earth outside of like Sweden and Nicaragua and South Dakota <laughs> who doesn't have a, a tragic, <laughs> uh, right? A tragic story about the last three years of hell. And we look back on it and, and we're like, well, why did this happen to us? You know, why did we... Why do we what, lose contact with our family members? Oh, by the way, just today, the Biden administration announced that if you're not vaccinated, you can now, starting May 11th, travel to the United States, okay? Um, well, I have friends of mine in the UK I've not seen for three years. We used to hang out all the time. Uh, family members have broken up. Uh, whole family members, people have not been able to see their fathers uh, because they're in Canada. Um, I have a fellow of the Brownstone Institute who can't even come visit our fellows retreats. I was at a conference this weekend with the FLCCC, which is a, a bunch of frontline uh, doctors, and they asked to raise, raise their hands about who uh, is here from abroad, and one hand went up. Uh, and why is that? It's because, you know, a lot of doctors who would have come there uh, in, from internationally did not travel to the U.S. because they weren't allowed to, you know, ever since this whole thing began. Uh, but the Biden administration imposed this rule. Wow. So it's it's like, right, this is very serious stuff. So so 
I imagine my, you know, as I was looking at the, the audience, there was like 400 people there. There might have been another 100 or 200 people there who simply could not get into this country because of our, our mandate. We're one of two or three countries in the world that still have it. So it's just been this evil, evil thing. And the Biden administration just today released an announcement that they're going to get rid of it uh, on, on May 11th. And they claim that you know, their vaccine mandate saved millions of lives without any evidence. I, I can promise you there's no evidence that this is true, <laughs> at, like at all. Um, uh, but and, and it's a very interesting question, and your readers need to, and your listeners need to understand this. Why did the Biden administration relent on this? It's only due to one thing: public pressure. It's the articles appearing on Brownstone. It's the uh, spaces, hangouts. It's the war room. It's all of uh, you know. All of us have have made it impossible for this thing to persist. So finally, the Biden administration has relented, bringing finally bringing families together again. And bringing justice to the uh, to, to the world. I mean, not justice, but at least some modicum of freedom. It's it's interesting because I was talking to somebody whose uh, fiance is a Canadian, and she hasn't seen him in three years. Um, was saying to me that she was both elated and furious. You know, it's that funny emotion. You're glad that the hell is about to end, but also you're angry for the last three years of, of this nonsense. And I, I would say that that's a combination of, of fury and elation is what consumes a lot of us. You know, the, the, the parents that whose, whose children have been kept out of school, we weren't allowed to, or you were even cross borders, uh, we weren't allowed to go to the hospitals to get the diagnoses on, uh, or elective surgeries. It's been, it's been a, a, a calamity. Anyway, to get back to your point, um, so uh, who is going to bear responsibility for this calamity? Like, where is the justice? Who is, who are we to blame? And uh, one of the top figures in that is uh, Anthony Fauci, uh, because he stepped up to be the public face of the pandemic, right? I mean, not that he knew anything about SARS-CoV-2 or had any experience in ma managing, you know, large-scale pandemics like this. But he loves the media, loves getting on TV, and decided that he was going to make himself, you know, the great scientist, of, you know, dictator of the world. So now everybody hates him uh, for what he did. So he's scrambling. I don't know how old he is, 185. But, he, uh, but he's <laughs> scrambling every day. <laughs> To, to take all the interviews he possibly can to justify all of his decisions. And I've, I'm enjoying, you know, sort of being a scientist of these of these interviews and things. So that was my what my article was about. That was a very wonderful, very complex answer. And I remember it wasn't too long ago that The Atlantic magazine had in very bold headlines, bold font, you know, pandemic amnesty. They were pushing that a few months mm -hmm. ago in response to all of this. So I'm just curious, because I think with a lot of this COVID stuff, obviously the crimes that these people have committed have already been committed. Like you said, they're in the past. They're still obviously in the forefront of our minds. But COVID is sort of over. Right? We're sort of getting out yes. of it, you know, very right. slowly. But the Biden regime is is relenting. But I want to drill down on something you said, because you yeah. link this all 
to public pressure. And I'm sure the War Room Posse yes. has played into that a lot, of course, the work yes. you do at yeah. Brownstone. But yeah. what do you make of sort of the timing of all of this, right? The Anthony yes. Fauci puff piece in the New York Times, his mainstream media rounds. Right. In terms of timing, where where do we go from here? In your opinion, what exactly does accountability right. actually look like? Right. Uh, okay, thank you. Um, so the, the critical thing is that, number one, public pressure is what stopped uh, essentially the totalitarian bio, biosecurity uh, state from, from being a permanent state of being. They wanted permanent vaccine passports. They wanted segregated cities like they did to New York. You know, the, the unvaccinated were excluded from libraries, theaters, uh, restaurants and bars and, and so on. So and they, that's happened in New Orleans and, and Boston and Chicago. Uh, for a time. They wanted that a permanent uh, thing. They wanted vaccine passports and eventually leading to a Chinese-style social credit system. That's what they wanted, and it was supposed to be the Great Reset. But the thing about God bless uh, America and God bless Americans, uh, we fought back against it, right, in every conceivable way. By the way, they hate us for it. Uh, They're furious at what they call misinformation and disinformation. And uh, everywhere you read, they're they're still angry that they they blame social media, they blame Twitter, that you know it doesn't matter that that uh, Facebook you know deleted, you know tens of millions of of posts. They they're still mad about the ones that that somehow got through. So uh, they they blame that. They blame the war room. They blame Brownstone, right, for the fact that they didn't get their way. <laughs> uh, and and. It's a very interesting, uh, so thank you for the question. It's a, so here's what listeners need to understand. In the end, uh, governments and even powerful corporations um, have to obey the public will. And, and when, when people rise up in fury and figure out ways around it, listening to the war room, going to Telegram, you know, whatever, sharing information on Signal, um, talking to their friends and neighbors, we can beat back things, and this is evidence of that. They really did want a great reset that would introduce a, an age of the biosecurity state with social credit systems like China. That's what they thought they were getting. Instead, even the White House is, itself is having to uh, roll back these vaccine passports, uh, basically, you know, as in response to public uh, fury. So, to, you know, people often ask the question: How do you change the world? I mean, this is the answer. You change the world strategically with, uh, uh, with great courage, with ferocity, and by speaking out uh, and never being demoralized in the face of people like Fauci. And there are many people just like him. Uh, don't ever let the 0.001% tell you how to live your life. You know, that's uh, to me the answer. Uh, so that's that's how we beat it back. I mean, the war room made a, a big a big difference, and and so have all of us. And it's a great day. But yeah, I feel a sense of of tragedy, and and fury and anger that we lost three years of our lives with this nonsense. But also great uh, sense of elation and happiness that finally it's coming to an end. But we can't forget this lesson, right? Like, how do we beat them back? We beat them back by not complying by resisting by protesting and figuring out ways around them so that tells uh, all of us what we have to do in the future you know we can never let this happen again and i promise you they will do it again
if they have their way. I mean, Fauci has been very vocal about this. The lockdowns were a great idea. He says this in the New York Times interview. It was a, it was a great idea. It's just that sometimes it was misapplied. We kept it alive too long for schools, you know, whatever. It wasn't his responsibility. He's only passing on advice from the CDC, right? So that's why he looks at it. But they have every intention of doing it again, and they will do it again. Um, if people do what they did in March 2020, which was to kind of go along with what the experts uh, claimed, we can never allow that to happen again. It's kind of like a, a hydra. I feel like you cut the head off a, a, a one of the snakes and then like eight grow back, right? We, we quashed the COVID stuff, but now we got the WHO pandemic treaty. The World Economic Forum right. just admitted that they're accelerating their implementation of their Agenda 2030. The United Nations is doing whatever the United Nations does with our taxpayer dollars, thanks to Joe Biden. But you are right. I think that's a, a nice silver lining, a nice little white pill to end tonight's show on, because sometimes it's easy to get a little depressed and feel like we're not winning when we look around. But we have to remember, like you said, and it was interesting, you said it was the war room posse and regular everyday people. It wasn't the people on Capitol right. Hill. It wasn't really even that's our right. lawmakers who I especially Republicans, establishment Republicans who fought for us. It really was that's in right. the hands of. Of we the people, I think I've heard that term before. Right. Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining us. You do such wonderful work. If people want to follow you and, and stay up to date with what you're doing at the Brownstone Institute and the events you're having, where can they find you? Well, brownstone.org is the best place. And I always encourage people to uh, subscribe. Subscribe, I mean, Just you know, get on our email list, which we send one a week. But it's our way to maintain contact. Uh, but thank you for your work. Uh, you know, we're reminded in these times that uh, eternal vigilance is the only way to to guarantee liberty. I mean, we know this now. It's it's not built into the institutions. It comes down to you as an individual. That's what it all comes down to. But thank you. Indeed. Action, action, action. As Steve would say, find your task and purpose, as the War Room intro always says. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeffrey. And thank you, War Room Posse, for joining us. Got about 10 seconds left. Steve will be back tomorrow morning in the hot seat, still down in Palm Beach. I think I'll be hosting the show on Wednesday afternoon. Thank you for spending your evening with me. Have a good one. Veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. 
You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger, better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.